is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Good morning and welcome to Easter worship here online with Bethel Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Amy Beveridge and on behalf of our whole congregation, thank you for being with us for this life-giving event. These last few days we walked through the events of Jesus' last hours of his earthly life and now we have arrived here with our spices and our oils ready to anoint the dead But it is early in the morning, and we discover it is the first morning of a new creation. Alleluia, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let us worship God. See what a morning. Gloriously bright with the dawning of hope in Jerusalem. Folded the grave clothes, tomb filled with light as the angels announce Christ is risen. See God's salvation plan, wrought in love, born in pain, paid in sacrifice. Fulfilled in Christ the man, for he lives, Christ is risen from the dead. 
sobs and sorrow she turns from the empty tomb hears a voice speaking calling her name it's the master the lord raised to life again the voice that spans the years speaking life stirring hope bringing peace to us will sound till is risen from the dead. One with the Father, ancient of days, through the Spirit who clothes faith with certainty. Honor and blessing, glory and praise to the King crowned with power and authority. And we are raised with Him. Death is dead, love is won, Christ has conquered. And we shall reign with Him, for He lives, Christ is risen from the dead. Early on the first morning, the women approached the tomb. Christ is risen. The stone was rolled away. Christ is risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Christ is risen. Remember what Jesus told you. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia. 
salvation have procured. Alleluia. Now above the sky he's king. Alleluia. Where the angels ever sing. Alleluia. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The prayer I offer today is in honor of Passover and Easter overlapping this year, recognizing our roots and where we draw our sustenance. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, let my people go so that they can hold a festival for me in the desert. Let us pray out of the house of slavery through troubled waters, into the wilderness a new people is born. You are God's own. Put your trust not in powers nor in wealth, but in the one who is creator, sustainer, and liberator on heaven and on earth, and called out to celebrate the breaking of every chain. We are here to proclaim the dawn of God's reign. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. The first story we hear today in scripture actually comes after the resurrection in the book of Acts. Peter, who is now fully convicted in the risen Christ, finds himself in Jerusalem preaching the good news and through his testimony building the Jesus movement, which at this time is small but growing faster than anyone imagined. And of course, it accelerates with the events of Pentecost. And important to notice is just how he tells the story of Jesus. It's a great sweep of his life, a reminder that Jesus did more than just die and rise on Easter. His whole life was filled with the power of salvation, even before the crucifixion. I think we can also appreciate that as Peter recounts the events of Jesus' life, he is also giving witness to his own faith. I noticed that Peter doesn't mention Jesus' birth at Christmas, but Peter wasn't there for it. He begins with the baptism. Unlike every other event you hear, Peter was there, or at the very least, he was nearby. This is what Peter has lived, not just Jesus. And in that way, he's a role model for all of us and leaves us with a question that we're going to explore further in a few moments. What events of Jesus' life have we experienced for ourselves? When we tell of ourselves, what are we saying about Jesus? For each one of us, the story is going to be unique. 
and yet conform to the body of our Lord. And that's what the voice of God is. All of our stories, all of our testimonies shining for the truth of what God has done in Christ. So let us now hear the story from Acts. A reading from Acts chapter 10. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The Word of the Lord. A reading from Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good. God's mercy endures forever. Let Israel now declare, God's mercy endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song, and has become my salvation. Shouts of rejoicing and salvation echo in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord acts valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord acts valiantly. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord indeed punished me sorely, but did not hand me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. Here the righteous may enter. I give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
A reading from the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter got up, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. And it was an idle tale, the women running terrified from the empty tomb to spread word of this mystery. An idle tale. Gossipy, anxious women making a ruckus. As we come to the resurrection story this Easter season, I am so interested in just how the news spreads, how it went from idle tale to the enduring witness of the church that we have today. There's a couple of things to notice here in these very spare words. First, Peter is the only one who believes the women or maybe not quite believing them, but he is willing to go and see for himself. And just think about this. What would happen if Peter had followed the crowd? What if he too had dismissed the testimony of an empty tomb as an idle tale? Now, no doubt God would have found another way. We see that in other gospels, but I think there is something here for us to appreciate. The story, ironically, but in a very real way, is delicate. Can we appreciate just how fragile the passing of the word is? The word of the resurrection depends on this singular moment in a chain of events. It depends on this singular person to believe the women, to believe what he himself experiences, and then pass on the word himself. Peter's the only one. And why is that, by the way? Why does he break with the others? What motivates him? Maybe. He was an ancient world feminist, but I don't think so. I think it was simpler. I think Peter had the strength to get up and go to that tomb because Jesus had prepared him to do so. Preparation. Some ways the story is all about preparation. The women are going to prepare his body. And here we are, Peter prepared. He's been made ready. Recall the story of the disciples' journey to Jerusalem. Three times in the years leading up to the crucifixion, Jesus confronts Peter with the prediction of what will happen. He tells him, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise. Which, of course, Peter had no capacity to understand, but it gets in there somewhere in his unconscious that seed lodges itself and waits for the moment to grow. And then there's the whole cock crowing ordeal. Remember the last night of Jesus' life, how he tells Peter exactly how Peter will respond to his arrest. You, Peter, will pretend you don't know me to save your own skin. And Peter, of course, says that will never happen. He's even insulted. 
But Jesus gives him a sign to listen for, that rooster crowing out Peter's denials. So Peter has been prepared for this moment. He's already been told the truth several times over, even in his disbelief. And so when the women arrive, I can only imagine Peter putting all the dots together. Some part of him, maybe all of him, knows this is what my Messiah meant. This is what's possible. It is happening just now, just as Jesus said it would. And so he doesn't walk to find out. He runs because he knows. He knows it is all coming to be. Just as we heard in that prayer, the day of God's reign is breaking. To this day, the good news of Jesus' resurrection passing on depends on anxious and terrified and imperfect people willing to share the story of their faith, despite how idle, nonsensical, or outlandish it may be. I mean, just appreciate for a moment, every one of us here is here. Because for 2,000 years and thousands more before that, anxious, terrified, imperfect people told idle, nonsensical, outlandish tales about God to someone else who at some point, maybe not immediately, but eventually, found out the truth for themselves. And then they told someone else. And I mean, isn't that truly a miracle? One link lost in the unbroken chain, and you might not be here right now. So in some remote corner of your listening hearts, I hope there is a little flutter of wonder saying to you right now, have I been that voice of someone else? Can I be that voice for someone else? How does my story prepare another? How does my story build tomorrow? How does the future depend on my willingness to tell God's story to another near me? Even if it is just a seed, do I take that risk? Will God use me? So there is one thing that we need in order to testify. And that's what we're talking about, right? Being called in our faith to testify, telling the story of our truth. And maybe there's more than one thing, but one essential piece to be the voice that God intends you to be. If you desire to take seriously this command to speak your faith, you'd best know that you are alive. And it sounds funny. Do you know you're alive? Like really alive? Because sometimes we've, when we've been brought back from the dead, it takes a while for it to sink in. I'm sure we've all had moments like this, discovering that against all odds, we are in fact alive, that we don't have to zombie walk through our days, that there is something for us, even when we thought there is nothing. So I'm going to give you two examples of what this can look like, things that I experienced recently or saw for myself, witnessed recently. First, the wife of a cancer survivor in our church community. I call her up just a few days ago to find out that the treatments on her husband are working. Even though he will have to manage his health the rest of his life, the immediate danger has passed. He's going to live. She says they left the doctor's office stunned. Then she was elated, but he was subdued. So she gently asked him, how are you feeling with this news? And he told her he didn't know what to say. He was quiet on the way home, reserved. Hours went by. And then at some point in the evening, he randomly asked her to go out and buy some fish. This is one of his favorite dishes, if not his favorite dish. 
When she brought it home, he started cooking up a frenzy so they could celebrate. There was music in the kitchen. It took a while, but the news had sunk in. He was going to live. He was alive. And then he started cooking more fish, enough to give away to family and neighbors and friends, enough for an Easter feast, which you can't get much more biblical than feeding people fish when you find out you're alive. Just take a look at the rest of Luke 24 and John 21, fish eating fish in the wake of the good news. Or consider this story from our local high school. I shared it with you some number of months ago. Last fall, when the students came back from distance learning, they had to learn to be together again, something we've all been through, that readjusting to community life. The principal shared with me that it wasn't an overnight process. One afternoon near Thanksgiving, a teacher reported to him that the students were starting to act like kids again. It took almost three months for those glimmers to appear, three whole months until they discovered they were alive. It was a hopeful story about the possibility of healing and recovery. I ran into one of our students recently that I hadn't seen for a while, and I asked her how this year was for her. She said she was enjoying making new friends. Yeah, she said, hanging out in your own group, it's nice, but it isn't rigid like it used to be. I think we all came back to school and realized there's so many amazing people out there. It actually feels really different than before. I mean, imagine if that's the legacy of our young people, that they become less tribal. They came back from everything the world threw at us, ready to make friends they never would have before 2020. It took them a bit, took us all a bit, but they found out that they were alive. So that's where I'll leave you. Do you know that you are alive? Has the good news caught up with you? You might know it rationally, but you know it. Do you know it with your full self? Have you allowed the news to sink in yet? Because God didn't just raise Jesus. He raised all of us with him. I know that it is harder than ever to cling to these words. Many are grieving griefs that they will carry with them always. We have a war going on in a place we never imagined would have war just a few short weeks ago. I know these words are hard, but you are alive. Let me tell you, when it comes to sharing our truth, when it comes to testifying to this truth that God is bringing us this day, dead people don't make very good storytellers. Numb people, the walking weary, they're too tired and cut off to pass on the good news. And we can trust God with them. We know that God takes care of the dead people even now. But it's important to speak it. It's important to say we are alive so that we can be the good news and prepare people for their own journeys. So if you are worried that that might be you, that that might be you who is walking wounded, let me assure you, you are here. You are alive. Jesus is alive. And if you can't hear it today, know that the seed has been planted And when the Holy Spirit is ready, you will be drawn out as well. And when we are, let us make sure that everyone else knows that they are alive too. Blessed be the Lord, for the Lord this day has acted. Amen.
Easter tide away with sin and sorrow. My love, the crucified, has sprung to life this morrow. Had Christ, who once was slain, not burst his three-day prison, our faith had been in vain. But now has Christ arisen, 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 arisen. My flesh in hope shall rest, and for a season's slumber, till Trump from east to Christ, who once was slain, not burst his three-day prison. Our faith had been in vain, but now has Christ arisen, 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 arisen. Death's blood has lost its chill. Since Jesus crossed the river, lover of souls from ill, my passing soul deliver. Had Christ who once was slain not burst his three-day prison, our faith had been in vain. But now has Christ arisen, 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 arisen. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our closing prayer this morning comes from perhaps a hundred years ago from W.E.B. Du Bois. Found it appropriate waking up to the rain this weekend as we did. Lord of the springtime, Father of flower, field, and fruit, 
Smile on us in these earnest days when the work is heavy and the toil wearisome. Lift up our hearts, O God, to the things worthwhile, sunshine and night, the dripping rain, the song of the birds, books and music, and the voices of our friends. Lift up our hearts to these this day and grant us thy peace. Amen. Let us pray in the words that our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord of life, you walk this journey with us and through us. Lead us, Lord. Lead on. Journeying within and wrestling with the world, lead us, Lord. Lead on. Lead us to risk, to grow, and to tread the path you have opened for us. Lead us, Lord. Lead on. And let us rejoice that every place is your place. In the name of Christ, the risen one. Amen.
Go in peace. Share the good news. Alleluia.